Welcome everybody to episode 10 of the DC Comics News Podcast. I am Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to bring you all the news in the world of DC Comics. Now as you may have noticed, uh, I took we took last week off, had a lot of stuff going on, so uh, this week it's going to be a little bit of a longer episode as we kind of dive into the last two weeks worth of news, so there's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, I'm just going to kind of jump right into it. First off, we're going to start like we usually do with movie news. Ewan McGregor has been cast as Black Mask in the upcoming Birds of Prey film. Uh, this is, to me, this is great news. I love Ewan McGregor. He's uh, he's a great actor. And uh, Black Mask is one of my favorite uh, Batman villains. I've been wanting to see uh, a live-action version of Black Mask in the films for a long time. I love, you know, that they have utilized them a couple of times in the animated films, which is great. So, you know, it kind of gets, you know, gets his name out there a little bit to uh, those fans who, you know, aren't very familiar with him. But seeing a live-action version is something that I've wanted for a long time. And I think it's it's something that's, you know, because he's not this crazy supernatural character or something like that. It requires a ton of CGI and things. You know, so like, it could have been done. I feel like even Christopher Nolan could have theoretically used this character, and you know, could have probably done a really good job with it. But you know, that didn't happen, and so I'm glad that uh, we're gonna you know see it in this upcoming Birds of Prey film. Uh, for those of you who don't who don't know who Black Mask is, uh, his character named Roman Sionis. He was a member of the uh, False Face Societies. Uh, you know, a, a mob boss. It's pretty brutal, and uh, I, I'm I'm really he's one of those characters that people don't talk about very much. So I'm really really excited to see uh, him in this. And what I'm hoping I'm hoping that this kind of leads into uh, you know makes like a path for Catwoman to be in this film to be introduced here, and as their histories are definitely tied together quite a bit. Uh, some other Birds of Prey news. Kathy Yan, uh, the director of the film, confirms that uh, there will be an inclusion of a certain character, and we find out the rating of the movie. During the U.S.-China Entertainment Summit at the Skirball Cultural Center in Los Angeles, director Kathy Yan spoke about her upcoming film, Birds of Prey. She talked about how she loved the script, but the most interesting parts of her talk were the confirmation of Cassandra Cain being in the film, and that it would be rated R. Uh, Cassandra Cain, for those of you who don't know, uh, she was uh, a ward of Barbara Gordon, uh, who eventually went on to take on the mantle of Batgirl. So this is interesting to me because a while back it was said that Batgirl would not be in this movie. But nothing was ever said about Barbara Gordon not being in this movie. So it makes me wonder if there'll be some mention of Barbara Gordon at some point. Um, or if maybe, you know, this is pre-Bar... Like, this Cassandra Kane is pre-Barbara Gordon, so like she hasn't become her ward yet. And maybe that'll lead to that. Maybe the ending or something like that. Um, maybe a post-credit scene, or you know something, and that could that that could really lead into you know a seek a, a second Birds of Prey where you, know, you have Barbara Gordon. Maybe she's already 
uh, paralyzed, and then she becomes Oracle. So all of that, I think, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see where they go with it. And the rated R, uh, you know, it being rated R, I think, is actually really fascinating. It's not a film that you would expect to be rated R, so it's. it's I'm definitely intrigued to see, uh, you know, how they put that rating to use. Uh, Birds of Prey is set to open on February 7th of 2020. Next up, uh, we actually got our first look at the Vertigo adaptation of The Kitchen. Entertainment Weekly has now debuted the first official photo from The Kitchen as part of a larger report from their visit to the movie set. The Kitchen is an adaptation of a Vertigo comic that takes place in Hell's Kitchen circa the 1970s, revolving around three women played by, uh, in the film played by Tiffany Haddish, Melissa McCarthy, and Elizabeth Moss, whose husbands are top-ranking members of the Irish Mafia. When their significant others are arrested and taken into custody for their crimes by the FBI, which uh, includes uh, the actor Common as Agent Gary Silvers, the trio of women must take it upon themselves to carry on the family business in their husband's absence. As it turns out, the three mob wives are even better and more vicious at their new, uh, new occupation than their husbands ever were. Uh, Entertainment Weekly also got the following quote from the writer and director, Andrea Burloff, regarding her decision to cast prominent comedic actors like McCarthy and Haddish in the film's leads. She said, I wanted that excitement of women in a mob movie to permeate through the casting, so I cast people you wouldn't expect across the board. If we're defying stereotypes, let's defy them all over. Who says women can't run the mafia? Who says comedians can't do drama? You know what? She she's absolutely right. You know some of my favorite dramatic roles come from comedians, and I I think people unfairly put uh, you know those stereotypes on on comedians. You know who you know saying that's all that they can do when that's absolutely not true. Um, this you know, and as far as this image goes, you know it's a pretty simple image. It's just the three of them. Uh, Tiffany Haddish, Melissa McCarthy, and Elizabeth Moss. It's just the three of them just kind of standing next to each other, you know, dressed very well, uh, looking rather serious. But it's it's just nice to see some movement on this. It's nice to see, you know, actual images coming up. You know, as this is one of those, those projects that you doesn't get a lot of buzz. I haven't, you know, you don't hear a whole lot about it. And unless you're, you know, kind of in the circles like me, or if you know, you really, you really keep up on, uh, you know, movie news or, or DC news, like really hardcore, you may miss this kind of stuff. It may just kind of filter through you. And some people, you know, have no idea that it's a comic book adaptation. You know, and and, and that's okay. There's plenty of films out there that you wouldn't expect, you know, you know, to have been adaptations of comic books. You know, like. Uh, you know, like Road to Perdition or History of Violence, stuff like that. But, you know, I, f- I just find it interesting that, you know, films like this that aren't the, the normal superhero superhero fare tend to get overshadowed. And, I you know, I, that's why I like to make sure I bring them up during the show. Because these are the kinds of films that, you know, they really need to be seen, you know. And uh, I, I, for one, am really excited for it. Uh, it's coming out September 20th of 2019, so we have a little less than a year before it comes out. 
So I'm sure we'll start seeing more and more, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple months uh, we get our first teaser trailer for uh, for the kitchen. Our next story: the original Teen Titans are returning in a new uh, piece called Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. Uh, now, shortly before the release of the Blu-ray for Teen Titans Go to the movies, a leaked teaser popped up online for something called Teen Titans Go vs. Teen Titans. This was then confirmed to have been a teaser from the Blu-ray release, and uh, it's for an unknown project that will see the return of the Teen Titans from the 2003 animated series going head-to-head with uh, the characters from Teen Titans Go. Um, like I said, it's a, it's an unknown project. We don't know if this is a season six for the show, if it's a standalone animated film, uh, or if it's just you're gonna be you know one of the special episodes of Teen Titans Go. You know we we don't know yet, um, but I'm I'm really hoping that it's at least uh, you know maybe one of the direct to video movies that maybe will lead into. A season six. I, I mean, I personally I enjoyed Teen Titans Go, um, and anytime that you've seen stuff like uh, the character from Young Justice or the you know the the original Teen Titans in the animated form pop up in Teen Titans Go, it's really cool, but it doesn't satisfy that desire for that season six for a continuation, and you know with Young Justice coming. I back to uh, for season three on DC Universe streaming service. I'm hoping that you know if that does really well, maybe then the next step will be to bring back Teen Titans on on the service. And I think a lot of people, I think that would actually get a lot of people to sign up for the service because people have been clamoring for more Teen Titans. And if that's the case, I I think they need to do that. But I guess we'll kind of kind of see where that. Where that heads. Next up, Aquaman is heading toward a $60 million opening weekend. Now, some people may say, oh, wow, that's a lot of money. But, I mean, to me, it seems a little low. If you look in comparison, Wonder Woman uh, opened with $103 million for its opening weekend. Now... I understand, you know, these are different movies, different tones, and things like that, and, you know, we had, you know, DC has obviously had some missteps with, you know, Batman v Superman and Justice League, both of which I enjoyed, but, you know, the majority of critics did not. Um, So, this $60 million opening, to me, seems a little low. I was kind of hoping for at least, you know, maybe in the 75 to 80 million range. And that still might happen because Wonder Woman originally, the early tracking for Wonder Woman was pretty low as well. I think it was somewhere in the 50 to 60 million range as well. And then as it got a little closer, it went up to like 80 for the tracking. And then it ended up doing, like I said, 103 million for that opening weekend. So I'm not too worried about these uh, early tracking numbers. But, you know, I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about it because, you know, expectations are, are, are a big thing, especially when it comes to these DC films. And when people hear things like this, this low kind of an opening, you know, it, it makes some of the, it fuels some of the hatred 
for the DC films. And, you know, I, I don't think it's anything really to, to get crazy about. One, because I think it will do higher number than that. And two, because it's just early tracking. You know, and a lot of times early tracking tends to be off by a bit. Um, and as it gets closer, that track that, that tracking number will, will definitely change. We've got, you know, a month and a half before the, the, the film comes out um, worldwide. And so I'm not too worried about it, but if it does only, if it only does make that 60, I think that that's uh, gonna. I think it's that's gonna spell trouble. Um, I don't think it's the movie's gonna have much legs if that's all it opens to. I think it needs to hit at least 80, if not 100, to really make a mark and. Um, I mean, if it does that, and as long as it has, like, the good word of mouth, I think then it could it could get DC back on track, but we will see. You know, like I said, we got about a month and a half before it comes out. Speaking of that, um, director James Wan came out and actually confirmed that the film uh, is done with production. They've completed filming, and uh, this is great, you know. Uh, that's the thing, Aquaman. Hey, we haven't really heard much in the way of negativity about this film, whereas a lot of other films we heard a lot of drama going on behind the scenes. This one we didn't get that, and that's one of the things that really makes me excited and makes me doubt that sixty million uh, opening. I'm I, I really think that Aquaman is going to be the one that kind of gets us gets us started toward. The right track, and I, I think Shazam will will help to solidify that as well when it comes out next year. Uh, Aquaman is set to hit theaters in the U.S. on December twenty first, but will open in China on December seventh and the U.K. on December fourteenth. So uh, you know we, we we haven't got very much time left before it comes out. So uh, hopefully you guys are excited for it. Let me know in the comments. Are you? Are you looking forward to uh, seeing the Aquaman movie? You know, I'm interested to know. Let me know. Next up is our TV and streaming news. There was a whole bunch of uh, casting news that came out over the last couple of weeks. So I'm just going to kind of go through uh, each of the casting uh, announcements. First off, Jason Fleming has been cast as Lord Harwood in the upcoming Pennyworth series. Jason Fleming has joined Epix's DC Comics adaptation Pennyworth in the series regular role of the villain called Lord Harwood. The upcoming 10-episode uh, Epix drama series chronicles the early adventures of Bruce Wayne's legendary butler Alfred Pennyworth, played by Jack Bannon, by picking up with the character in his 20s in England when he is fresh from a stint as a British SAS soldier. Pennyworth's Gotham City destiny begins to take shape when he accepts a security job as a with a young American tycoon named Thomas Wayne, played by Ben Aldridge, who is not yet the father to Bruce Wayne. Uh, platinum-selling UK pop star Paloma Faith also stars as the vill- villainous Bette Sykes, a cruel partner in crime to Lord Harwood, an upper-class Englishman. Harwood is described as cultured, urbane, Brilliant and supremely sure of himself, with a sadistic, cruel nature with a veneer of charm. 
Uh, I'm actually kind of intrigued uh, by this series. At first, I, I had n- like no interest in it. Like after watching Gotham, I loved Gotham, but it's like you know you're gonna go back even farther. There is Bruce Wayne doesn't even exist yet at this point. It's just Alfred, and you get some Thomas Wayne in there. It's like what are you what are you gonna do? You're gonna have Alfred be the crux of all these villains. It's like. It was in, in, in Gotham. It, it took a, me a little bit to get used to Gordon kind of being that crux, but I could understand it because it was still, you know, the whole thing was set in Gotham City. It was Gotham City, but with this, I, I just I don't know. I, I'm intrigued to see it. You know, the premise sounds kind of interesting, um, but I'm still a little wary about it. And I, don't, I just, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like it's the kind of show that's needed to be told. But who knows? It might turn out to be a hit. You never know. Um, it's set to premiere uh, next year, late 2019. So um, I'll, we'll keep an eye on it and I'll let you know how it is. Next up, Will Patton has been cast as Avery Sunderland in the upcoming DC Universe series, Swamp Thing. Uh, Patton will play a lead opposite Crystal Reed in the upcoming drama series on DC Universe. Written by Mark Verhayden and Gary Dauberman, Swamp Thing follows Abby Arcane, played by Crystal Reed, as, the in, as she investigates what seems to be a deadly swamp-borne virus in a small town in Louisiana, but soon discovers that the swamp holds mystical and terrifying secrets. When unexplainable and chilling horrors emerge from the murky marsh, no one is safe. As its most prominent businessman, Avery Sutherland, Sunderland, played by Patton, serves as the de facto patriarch of his Louisiana hometown, always giving back to the community. His benevolent veneer, however, masks a ruthless determination to harness the power of the swamp for profit. This is one of the DCU series that I'm actually most excited for. Um, I love the character of Swamp Thing. I love uh, you know reading the comics and everything. Even the old uh, Swamp Thing, I think it was a, a movie. Um, I think it might have been a TV movie. I'm not 100% sure. But I, just, I remember seeing it back in the day when I was younger, and I loved it. I haven't seen it in quite a long time, but so that, that opinion may change if I were to watch it again now. But it was something that kind of stuck with me when I was younger and got me to you know, start reading some of the comics and everything. And so I was really excited to hear that, uh, James, especially James Wan, was taking on Swamp Thing. Um, so he, and now hearing that Will Patton, who's a fantastic actor, uh, he's in the most recent uh, Halloween film. He plays uh, the sheriff in, in, in the new film. He's he's fantastic, and having him added to this cast, you know, adding talent is always a good thing, and Will Penn is definitely the definition of talent. Uh, Swamp Thing is set for uh, debut in 2019 on the DC Universe streaming service. Um, for You know, have you guys been watching uh, Titans and everything? Are you guys enjoying the, the DC Universe streaming service? Let me know what you guys think of, of the streaming service so far. I've been really enjoying it, catching up on some uh, fantastic comic runs that I had missed. I just recently read um, uh, uh, The Longbow Hunters since uh, you know, they, they're taking from that 
a bit uh, for the new season of Arrow, so I wanted to kind of see what it was all about. I hadn't, I never had uh, checked it out, but it's on the DC Universe streaming service, so you know, give that a read. You know, let me know what uh, what you've been reading or what you've been watching on the DC Universe. Uh, and uh, if you haven't signed up yet, you know what's what's holding you back. Well, you know, let me know in the comments. Our next casting news: James Wolk joins HBO's Watchmen. James Wolk from uh, the new series Tell Me a Story, and who also uh, starred in the CBS show Zoo, has been tapped for a major recurring role on HBO's upcoming drama series Watchmen from Damon Lindelof. Written by Lindelof, Watchmen is considered a dark, satirical, and dystopian take on the superhero genre. Set in an alternate history where superheroes are treated as outlaws, Watchmen embraces the nostalgia of the original groundbreaking graphic novel while attempting to break new ground of its own. As usual, the producers and HBO are keeping uh, quiet on the role, but I hear that Wolk will be playing a junior senator from Oklahoma. That's kind of what I've been hearing out there. Whether that's actually true or not, who knows? Um, I I really like James Wolk. I think he's 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 a really good actor. So I kind of I mean, unless this junior senator is going to play a bigger role in in the show, it does say it's a recurring a recurring role. But I'm just curious what you know, like what what this will be if he's not one of the superheroes in the show at all. It's like, how much will he really be part of it? So I'm, I'm intrigued uh, as to where they're going with this from what I've read. You know, it's not an adaptation of the book. It's not a, a reinterpretation of the film. It's something completely different that's just set in that world. So I, I, I'm really, I, I'm interested. He's uh, Wolk is joining the Watchmen cast that includes Regina King, Jeremy Irons, Don Johnson, Tim Blake, Tim Blake Nelson, Louis Gossett Jr., uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, who, uh, who's going to be in the upcoming Aquaman film, Andrew Howard, uh, Tom Misson, Francis Fisher, Jacob Ming-Trent, Sarah Vickers, and Dylan Shumbing. So, I mean, they got a pretty, you know, a, a pretty large cast going right now, but we still don't know much about the show they've been really keeping things quiet over at hbo so uh, as soon as we hear more we'll definitely uh, let you guys know watchmen is set to air next year 2019 uh, on hbo next up angelica washington joins star girl in a mystery role she will be uh, a series regular on the show Many of whom are guessing that she'll be playing Wildcat, but there's been no confirmation uh, as to who the character will be. Uh, Stargirl follows high school sophomore Courtney Whitmore as she ins- inspires an unlikely group of young heroes to stop the villains of the past. The new drama reimagines Stargirl and the very f- as the and the very first superhero team, the Justice Society of America, in an unpredictable series. The project focuses on the character that started and that started executive producer Jeff Johns' career as a comic book writer when he created her in 1999, lovingly inspired by his late sister who was killed in a 1996 plane explosion. Courtney Whitmore, aka Stargirl, will be portrayed by Breck Basinger, 
and Stargirl will be written and produced by character creator Jeff Johns. It is set to uh, hit the streaming service in 2019. Now, this is another show that I'm I'm intrigued by. I don't like, Stargirl is one of the ones that I I don't know a whole lot about. Um, I'm not super familiar with her, but I'm definitely interested. I love Jeff Johns, so anything he's working on, I will give it a shot. Uh, I might have to go back and read those original Stargirl uh, uh, books and whatnot, and see you know what what it's all about. But I'm I'm really intrigued by it, and uh, I I really don't know this uh, Angelica Washington, but if she's playing Wildcat, that could be cool. You know, so I guess uh, we'll just have to wait till next year to to see. Well, you know what what they do with this show. It seems like it's it's pretty it's a passion project for Jeff Johns, so I really think he will do it justice since he knows this character backwards and forwards. He created this character. I think that he's probably the best person for it, and and I I, I think that I don't think there's anybody else who could do it as good justice as he probably will. So that actually makes me even more excited to check it out. Uh, last up for our uh, casting news, Jim Gordon gets a new nemesis for the final season of Gotham. Uh, Jamie Murray from Dexter and Warehouse 13 has uh, joined the cast of Gotham as Teresa Walker, who will recur throughout the final season. The character emerges as Jim Gordon's principal nemesis in the season, who comes to Gotham harboring a dark secret about her past. Now, Jamie Murray, I know, uh, like I said, from Warehouse 13. She played H.G. Wells, and she's fantastic. I love her, and I- I'm kind of sad that it took this long to get her on the show because I think she could have really been you know, a great addition to it. But, you know, since you know we're getting her now, better late than never, I- I'm really excited to see... Um, what this new character Teresa Walker, uh, you know, ha- brings to the show, you know, as a foil for for Jim, uh, I'm super pumped for Gotham. That's one of my favorite uh, DC shows. I'm sad to see it ending, but I, I, I'm excited to uh, see what they what they bring, and they're just gonna go all out. You know, they are. Uh, another piece of news about Gotham ha- actually dropped. And that's uh, the premiere date was officially announced, and it'll be coming January third of twenty nineteen. So a lot sooner than uh, originally anticipated. I know a while back um, they said it probably wouldn't be coming out until spring of of twenty nineteen. So we were all assuming like April, maybe even May of twenty nineteen. But it looks like they were able to you know get everything finished and wrapped up and and and, and get a, a date set. For January 3rd. So that's really exciting because it's only two months away. And uh, I'm pumped to see this. It's a shorter season, but I'm pumped to see it come back. Next up, Jesse L. Martin uh, takes a medical leave from The Flash. Jesse L. Martin plays uh, Detective Joe West on The Flash. And uh, during the, uh, the hiatus from filming, he suffered a back injury. And this is uh, why, if you notice during those first few episodes, he's been seen sitting pretty much the entire time. And if you've read uh, any of our reviews, you know 
that our reviewer has been commenting about that a lot, you know, calling him Sitting Joe because it just it seemed weird. He was like, why, you know, is he just sitting there the whole time? Why is he not out in the field doing his job in the show? So I, th- I think because of all the talk that had been going on that they decided to um, release this information um, to the public that he was going to be taking medical leave from the show. Now, obviously, you know, when, when you're doing shows like this, you want to make sure that your actors are in good health. So I'm glad that, you know, they're letting him take this medical leave, or I don't know if they're if he requested it or if they're making him take the medical leave. Either way, I'm glad it's happening. Um, one of the... The studio actually put out a statement uh, that they provided to, to Entertainment Weekly. It says, Jesse Martin is taking a medical leave of absence from The Flash. We wish him a full and speedy recovery and look forward to his return as Detective Joe West. You know, pretty simple, cut-and-dry statement. Um, it's unclear how long he will be out, but it's being said that his absence will be addressed on the show eventually, which is good. Um, I'm hoping maybe they do something like, you know, him... And Cecile and the baby uh, maybe go on a vacation or something. He takes some time off. I think that's probably the best way to do it because I, I I don't know how else you're gonna do how, how else you're gonna explain him not being there on the job and, and not being there with you know in the house and everything. So I think uh, that's probably the way they're gonna go. And I'm sad to you know to hear that he got injured and will be out for a little while. But you know he needs to. You know, get himself better and then get back to it. So uh, rest up, Jesse, and I hope that uh, you get back soon. Now, our last part of the TV and streaming news section is going to cover some stuff that came out about the upcoming Arrowverse crossover. You know, we've heard a bunch of stuff come out lately um, over the past month or so. I mean... We've had news stories, you know, obviously the biggest being, the biggest couple being, you know, Ruby Rose as Batwoman. We got to see some first images of that, which is, she looks fantastic. Um, You know, we found out what the uh, title would be, be, you know, that they're calling it Elseworlds, which that opened up a whole new can of stuff for it. Um, That, you know, Arkham Asylum's gonna be involved, things like that. We even um, found out that uh, John Wesley Shipp would be returning as Flash. We saw him in his original 1990 uh, Flash costume from the ser- original series that he was on, which is really cool. Uh, but the the, the the three stories that I have coming up, are, I think, are some of the big ones that uh, for, for these last two weeks that are coming out. And one of the first one is probably one of the biggest and one of the ones that a lot of people have been upset about, and it's that Batman will not be appearing in this crossover. Uh, Mark Guggenheim, co-creator of Arrow, uh, went on Twitter and confirmed that Batman would not be appearing in this crossover. Now, a lot of people, uh, you know, have been freaking out ever since this came out because, you know, they say, well, how can you, how can you have Gotham City and how can you have people like Batwoman and how can you have Arkham Asylum if you're not going to have Batman? Simple. You just don't have Batman. You know, it's just the way it is. You don't have... Not every single story that takes place in Gotham or at Arkham or with members of the Bat family have to include Batman. 
If you read the comics, there are plenty of stories that don't include Batman, but include those other things. So this, to me, it, 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 I was like, okay, no worries. And it made sense, seeing as, you know, you've got Gotham still on air, and they're going to be doing, you know, they're going to be ending their season with a version of Batman. You know, you've still got all this this drama about what you, whether or not Ben Affleck will play the Batman in the movies. So it makes sense that they're just going to steer clear of the Batman in general. It makes 100% sense to me. So I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but a lot of people did, which is one of the big reasons why I wanted to uh, kind of talk about it a little bit. Um, you know, I, I love I, I love these shows, and I love that they're that they're taking chances like this. And and Batwoman is a fantastic character who uh, I, I fell in love with during the New Fifty Two run, and then and then more so during the Rebirth run, but. I don't think that we, I think if you have the character of Batman in this crossover, it will overshadow Batwoman, and and I don't want to see that. If you wanted to have Batman instead of Batwoman, then fine. But they went with Batwoman, and I want her to to really shine in this. It's just like with Supergirl. You know, if you if you have Superman there all the time, it's gonna overshadow Supergirl. So it's it's nice to see that you know they aren't going to have Batman here. They're going to have they're going to focus on Batwoman and the other things that are going because there's a lot of stuff going on in this crossover. A lot of stuff. It's, it sounds like it's going to be crazy. I don't know what to expect from it anymore. I'm excited for it, but I have I don't know what to expect for it. Um, one of those reasons is our next piece that we got our first pick of the Monitor from the upcoming uh, Elseworlds crossover. Entertainment Weekly unveiled the first image of LaMonica Garrett as the Monitor, who will be appearing in the upcoming Arrowverse crossover. Now, the image, I think, looks great. He looks he looks like the Monitor, and it's fantastic. Um, and it really makes me excited. But it's like, where are they going with this? I thought originally this is, that this was going to be like a, a grounded story in Gotham. And then they came out with it saying, "Oh, this is uh, you know, this, it's called Elseworlds." So that kind of opened up some stuff. It's like, okay, well, what are they doing with this? It could still be grounded, but then you know, now we're gonna have the Monitor. It's like, where are we going with this story? Is it is it gonna be Crisis on Infinite Earths? Like something with that, you know, because that's where the Monitor, you know, really shined. And and th- this theory for me, was a bit more solidified with the next story, which was Psycho Pirate is being uh, brought in. Now, Psycho Pirate will uh, reportedly be an inmate at Gotham's Arkham Asylum under the care of the villainous Dr. Deegan. This character wears a golden mask that allows him to manipulate and control other people's emotions. Uh, He's been part of most of DC Universe's alter... Of the DC Universe altering events, including Flash's uh, much-teased Crisis on Infinite Earths, which makes me wonder, like I said, if Crisis will play uh, a bigger role in this crossover since you've got uh, the Monitor and Psycho Pirate in here. Um, You're going to have Superman and and Supergirl in there. You're going to have the Flash in there. So it's like... What are they doing with this? I, I I can't wait. It comes out, 
you know, we got about just over a month before the, the crossover happens. So I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait to uh, uh, give our thoughts on this. I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped. Let me know what you guys think. You know, like I said, there's been so much news coming out about the crossover. I really want to uh, hear from you guys about what you what you're expecting from it, what you're hoping from it. Uh, are you know are you looking forward to it in general? Is, is it something that interests you? Do you do you agree with this uh, possible Crisis on Infinite Earths connection with uh, the Monitor and Psycho Pirate? Let me know. Uh, our last story uh, deals with comic book news, and that is uh, DC will be crossing over with Italian publisher Sergio Benelli Editore. A series of crossovers between characters in uh, SBE's universe and DC Comics characters has been announced. SBE is Italy's largest comic book publisher, and their characters include Tex Willer, Dylan Dog, which there was a a film with Brandon Routh a while back, Zagor, Mr. No, Martin Mystery, Dragon Arrow, and Nathan Never. The first crossover will come in 2019 and will uh, feature The Flash teaming up with Zagor, a uh, Western-era superhero. The second planned crossover will follow in 2020, though the characters involved have not been named yet. This is kind of interesting uh, to me. I, I, I love when DC does these crossovers. You know, they do them with Looney Tunes. They do them with Hanna-Barbera. They um, had done some with, uh, like, they did the Batman and the Shadow, a couple of uh, crossover miniseries there. Um, you know, they do, you know, they did Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They did... Uh, Green Lantern and uh, Star Trek. Um, they're currently doing Batman and the Max. So I mean, they do all kinds of of crossovers, and uh, this one I I think is really really interesting because they're uh, kind of going a bit more international, uh, teaming up with SBE. So uh, I'm I'm inter- I'm really interested. I haven't read. You know anything from? I watched Dylan Dog when it came out. It was an interesting flick. I never read any of the comics or anything from any. I never heard of any of the other ones. But I think it's a good way to uh, expose the, the you know the population to uh, these other characters, this other um, publication uh, series. But uh, I, I think it's a great way to do that. And I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. A lot of times these crossovers tend to be better than some of the regular, you know, incontinuity stuff. So uh, I'll definitely be giving it a, a shot when it comes out next year. And I love The Flash. So the, and The Flash teamed up with a Western-era superhero. I think that could be really, really interesting. Now, next up is our section called The Spinner Rack, where I give you my top five picks for... Uh, books that are coming out this week and we'll start with my number five pick is harley quinn number 53 harley and failed femme fury petite tina go road tripping with their lives a roaring dumpster fire harley and tina decide to go out of town for a mini vacay and wind up driving each other crazy instead an unplanned detour leads them to run afoul of a new baddie called minor disaster whose so-called disaster dial only causes small calamities, such as texting your ex and pooping your pants. 
Harley and Tina must now put their differences aside to stop minor disaster before she spells spells disaster for them both. Uh, I've really I've been really enjoying the Harley Quinn books, so uh, definitely give that one a, a check out. Number four is United States versus Murder Inc. Number three. I uh, I chose this one since today uh, in the, in the United States is Election Day. I thought it was uh, apropos to pick a book like this and uh i really hope everybody out there voted today so you know whether you're on the left or the right or somewhere in the middle it doesn't matter i just hope you went out and did your civic duty and voted because you know a lot of people fought for that right so i hope you all exercised your right to vote today back to uh united states versus murder inc number three when the President of the United States puts her foot down against the five families, they task newly made Valentine Gallo and Jaeger Rose to take care of things. That sounds like trouble to me. In an alternative history set in a world where the five families of Murder, Inc. never gave up power, this sexy crime thrill takes you somewhere you've never seen in comics. From writer Brian Michael Bendis and artist Michael, Michael Avon Oming, the Eisner Award-winning creators of Powers, comes another brand new chapter of the United States versus Murder, Inc. It's a pretty cool series uh, from the Jinx World uh, brand that Brian Michael Bendis has released. So I hope you guys are checking this one out. Uh, my number three pick is Batman number 58. Uh, the Batman runs have been... I've, I've been loving these books, so I, I'll probably always put a Batman book uh, on my list as Tom King has done a fantastic job lately, and I'm really digging what, he, what he's bringing to, uh, to Batman's mythos. So, Batman number 58, the Dark Knight waddles into a turf war with the Penguin. Still reeling from the attacks on his Bat family and reputation, the Caped Crusader looks to track down the mysterious operator lurking behind the scenes in Gotham City. As the hunt rages on, Batman runs afoul of Oswald Cobblepot. But the Penguin is on Batman's side for once, and the crime boss sees dangerous things on the horizon. How can he convince the Cape Crusader he's on the level? Number two is Suicide Squad Black Files, number one. This is a new uh, six-issue miniseries of uh, standalone stories. Each book will have, uh, I believe, two stories. I know the first one does. I think that uh, they're all supposed to be set up that way. They all have two separate stories. Uh, first off, in the first story, two members of Task Force X are back in, these all, in this all-new adventure. First up, Revenge of Cobra by writer Mike W. Barr and artist Felipe Briones. To oppose the terrorist Cobra is to earn his undying hatred and that's what the samurai katana did when she killed his beloved Eve. Now, Cobra stalks katana beyond the bounds of Earth itself to a supernatural world where he will steal from her everything she has, including her very soul. And in Suicide Squad Black, by writer Jai Nitz and artist Scott Eaton, Sebastian Faust, the U.S. government's top arcane operative, has gone rogue. To track down America's most dangerous magician, Amanda Waller assembles a special ops team unlike any other. 
an expendable coven of dark arts experts, including El Diablo, Enchantress, and Gentleman Ghost. They are Suicide Squad Black, and they will take you to places where even the dead can die. This one sounds really cool. Um, I, I, just from reading the, the synopses of these books, I kind of hope that it's just it takes these two stories and does a, a, a six-issue arc for each story within it. Um, well, like I said, from what I had heard, they're standalone stories, but that could be that could be wrong. Um, so I, I'll be checking it out. I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but it sounds the it sounds awesome. I love Suicide Squad, uh, the books and everything. I love and he, getting a a magical like a, like a Justice League Dark version, you know, uh, of Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad Black. That sounds really cool to me. Um, so I'm I'm pumped. To uh, and and stuff with Cobra, I just you know I recently read the Bane uh, Bane Conquest, which is all about Bane taking on Cobra. So I'm in to uh, get more more stuff about Cobra. So definitely check that one out. And my number one pick for this week is the new book by Grant Morrison, The Green Lantern Number One. Superstar writer Grant Morrison returns to DC alongside Red Hot artist Liam Sharp to launch a new ongoing series, The Green Lantern. In this debut issue, when Earth's space cop Hell Jordan encounters an alien hiding in plain sight, it sets off a chain of events that rocks the Green Lantern core, and quite possibly the multiverse at large, to its very core. It's an intergalactic conspiracy afoot, as well as a traitor in the Green Lantern Corps ranks. So strap in for more mind-bending adventures in this masterpiece in the making. Now, Green Lantern is my absolute favorite uh, heroes. Um, I, I love Hale, uh, John, uh, Kyle. They're like I love the core. It's it's my favorite. There are some of my favorite books to read. And so when I found out that Grant Morrison was taking on um, uh, the Green Lantern for a new series with Liam Sharp, I oh. Is my most anticipated. So, uh, and it's a fantastic book. You have to give it a read. Um, we'll be putting out re- all of our reviews on Wednesday, so you'll be able to see uh, our reviews for the book. It it's fantastic. So I hope you guys pick it up. And that's it for all the news for the past couple of weeks. I hope you uh, enjoyed. I'm sorry that uh, I had to take last week off. You know, thing things come up. But like I said. I'm glad you were able to come back and stick through this longer episode to get all the news that was, you know, fit to print. Um, now, please, if you if you've been enjoying what you've been hearing, head on over to uh, Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Uh, leave us a, a you know a four or five star rating if you're enjoying the show. It really help us out, help us move up in the ranks, and uh, and write a review for it. You know, let us know what you think. Um, if you have any questions, I really, you know, I haven't had any any yet, but I really, I really want some of you guys to send me some questions. I to I'd like to start reading them out on the on the podcast. You can um, email me at Joshua J O S H U A at dccomicsnews dot com, or you can uh, head on over to Twitter and uh, hashtag DCN Mailbag. That's right, DCN Mailbag. Do that hashtag. Uh, and submit your questions that way, and uh, I'll re- like I said, I'll read them out on uh, on the next podcast. Be sure to follow us uh, over on uh, all of our social media uh, outlets, 
Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, Tumblr, uh, I believe we even have Pinterest, over at DC Comics News for, uh, across all the social media boards. And as always, folks, remember, read more comics.